You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I first attended BFC when I got invited by Mel Gehring. Uh, he was one of my co-workers, and I started coming to BFC ever since. When I first met Mel, it was a complete different age group, but uh, if there's anyone to describe what a Christian is, would be Mel. He's been like a father to me, uh, like a family member. He has received me and my wife with open arms as if I was his own kid. Um, and he's just unbelievable. Within a month of me knowing Mel, uh, he invited me to church. We arranged a meeting here at the church and at first I couldn't find Mel, so I, one of the greeters at the door said, oh, are you looking for someone? Or, and I said Mel's name and without a problem, he walked me to where Mel usually sat. I had been attending another church here in Oklahoma City, but I didn't feel the welcomeness that I did once I first came to this church. As I started coming here and really listening to uh, the sermons and trying to get involved with the church, and, um, I started developing a relationship with Christ. I would say that to not be afraid and invite someone because you don't know whether they're gonna, you know, develop a relationship with Christ just by bringing them that first Sunday or inviting them to church. Uh, God can do, obviously He can do a lot in people's lives and it just might be that one time that you invite them that they become a believer and decide to, to serve Jesus. I never thought that Jesus would come into my life and I would develop into what I am today. I always had a question in my mind or I wasn't, never, I didn't have the faith that I needed to be a full Christian and follow Jesus closer like I am today. I've never really gotten that chance to say it to someone, but um, if I've said it to Mel many times, I, I have, but if Mel was sitting here and I said it to him one more time, I would say that I'm thankful for everything that he's ever done for me, spiritually and helping me develop a relationship with God. And further more than that, just for being there for me. Why don't you grab a Bible and open it to the book of Matthew, okay? The book of Matthew. How much do you know about the guy, Matthew, who writes this gospel, the first book of the New Testament? I don't know if you're aware of this, but when Jesus met Matthew for the very first time, he was not a good man. He was not a moral person. We have every reason to believe that Matthew was the kind of guy who would take advantage of you and cheat you and steal from you. He wasn't the kind of guy that everybody loved. In fact, Matthew was the kind of guy that everybody loved to hate. And Matthew didn't hang around religious people and he didn't go to worship places on weekends. In fact, Matthew never, he never went to church. But Jesus 
wanted to hang out with Matthew? What was it about Jesus that he hung around people who were sinners? In fact, when he gets to know Matthew, Matthew invites him over to his house for dinner one night. And when Matthew tells the story about Jesus coming to his house for dinner, he says, there were many sinners there that night. And they all ate with Jesus. And Jesus developed such a reputation for hanging around people who were sinful that he kind of got this nickname where they referred to him as the friend of sinners. Why is it that Jesus felt it was so important that he befriend and make friendships and hang around people who are sinful? And, and why is it that people like us struggle to do that very well. So let me, let me take you to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter nine, okay, and we're gonna start reading with verse nine and we'll read through verse 13. Matthew is really, at this point, given a witness because as he writes the Gospel, trying to present Jesus to the Jewish people as the Messiah, he tells his own story, but he tells it in the third person, okay? And so let me, let me read this account to you. Here's what happens. So as Jesus went on from there, and uh, probably the reference is to Capernaum, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. We'll talk about what it meant to choose the career of a tax collector in a few minutes, okay? Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and he followed him. There's really two surprises when you read this account. One is that Jesus says that to Matthew and the other is that Matthew does it, that Matthew follows. And so while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And so when the Pharisees saw this, do you remember who Pharisees are? The word Pharisee literally means set apart. And so these were people who kind of withdrew from society and they just kind of withdrew in order to focus all of their energy and attention on being good law keepers, okay? Living their life to honor and to please God. So when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And so when Jesus heard them asking that, he said, and this is one of the best lines in the Bible, hands down, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And then he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Is there anything at all in your heart for lost people? That's really what he's asking. Is there anything at all in your heart for lost people? And then Jesus says, for I've not come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. So this is God's word for us today. Let me, uh, let me remind you that we're in this series. In fact, it's the last Sunday of a series called Just Like Jesus. 
And I reminded you early on that I grew up in a small Kentucky town and I went to a Nazarene church and there was a song we would sing. And the first line was, uh, I have one deep supreme desire. I want to be like Jesus. And the last couple lines of the song was, my deepest prayer, my highest goal is that I want to be like Jesus. And so I've tried to be faithful to you guys every week and I've stood up and I've looked you in the eye and I've asked you the question, so how bad do you want to become like Jesus? How important is this to you? And so the result of asking that question after week, week after week has been several emails, some text conversations, some conversations over a cup of coffee, conversations in the foyer of the church. And some of you have said things like to me, Rick, this is what I really want. And some of you have said, this is what I wish I really wanted. And so we've been talking about becoming like Jesus in our relationship with the Father and becoming like Jesus in our relationships with one another. That was last week with believers. And so today we're gonna talk about becoming like Jesus in my relationships with people who aren't Christian, okay? We're gonna talk about becoming like Jesus in our relationships with people who aren't Christian. Any of you guys make it here on Tuesday night for the Bob Goff and the City Harmonic and all of that? It was awesome. Annette and I came and we sat right back there and we loved it. The music was incredible. And I never heard Bob Goff speak. I thought he was entertaining and he was engaging and he was funny. And he's kind of nuts. You know, his hands are just everywhere when he's talking. And, and uh, I love the way he laughs. He's not a preacher. He's a lawyer. He just kind of talks from his heart because he has a heart for God. Somewhere in the middle of his talk, though, he just knocks me off my feet. And here's what he says. I remember at some point in my life, I began to realize, and he's just demonstrative. I began to realize, he said, that I spent most of my life trying to avoid the kind of people that Jesus spent most of his life trying to engage. At some point in my life, he said, I realized I have spent most of my life trying to avoid the same kind of people that Jesus spent most of his life trying to engage. And I'm sitting there thinking about what he's saying and I'm realizing that it wasn't only an indictment for where he was at that season of his life, but it's indictment on the church of Jesus Christ. Because it seems like to me a whole lot of us spend most of our lives trying to avoid the same kind of people that Jesus spent most of his life trying to engage. And so Matthew writes the gospel trying to help people understand that Jesus is the Messiah. And while he's writing the gospel, he includes his own story of how Jesus found him. And he says, when Jesus saw Matthew, he's talking about himself, comma, a tax collector. So let's talk about taxes and a tax collector in the day that Jesus walked the earth. You, you, you understand that, that their system for taxes was much different from ours, not like ours at all. Here's how it worked. They had to pay income tax, then they had to pay export taxes, and they had to pay import taxes, and they had to pay taxes when they traveled certain roads, and they had to pay taxes when they crossed certain bridges, and they had to pay taxes on their purchases. 
Now, come to think of it, their tax system was just like ours. It was identical. We have to pay taxes on everything like they did. Here, here was the rub, though. Here was the difference. You ready? The difference was this, that the people who were imposing taxes was a foreign government. It was the Romans who ruled over the Jewish people. So you want to know how they collected the taxes? They employed some Jewish people. And so not only did a Jew despise the fact that they had to pay taxes to the Romans, it really bothered them when one of their own would hire their own services out to do the collecting. What are you saying? You're going to turn on us? You're going to work for the Romans? You're going to be the guy who puts his arm around my neck and says, pay up, buddy. And so not only that, but it was, it was a bad system. And the tax collectors were people who robbed from people. Uh, they would say, um, Eric, you owe this much taxes. But they would say, no, actually, you owe more than that. And they would take the extra and they would put it in their own pockets. And, and then they would do this. They would, they would take rich people who had lots of money and they would say, you want to avoid paying some taxes? All right, you pay me a little and I'll cut yours in half. It was just a messed up system. And people hated tax collectors. They classed them with murderers. They wouldn't let them in the synagogue. They could not go to worship. That's why Matthew never, never went to church. He wasn't allowed in. And so one day Jesus looks at Matthew and he says, follow me. You, you have got to pay attention right here because we are not Jews. And there is no idea in the world that we can get a hold of that. There is no way in the world that we can grasp what that means. But Matthew, Matthew was raised a Jewish boy. He is a Jewish young man, okay? And he understands what it means when a rabbi looks a young man in the eye and says, follow me. What he is saying is, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you, I'm giving you an invitation. I'm saying that if you want, you can become my disciple. And we remember from last week that a disciple of a rabbi was not just somebody that said, I believe in your teachings or I want to follow your teachings, but a disciple of a rabbi was somebody who said, I want to become like you. And so when Jesus looks at Matthew and he says to him, this guy that has no morality, that doesn't mind robbing and cheating and stealing from you, a guy who nobody likes, a guy who never goes to church, when Jesus looks at him and says, Matthew, follow me, what he is really saying is, Matthew, I think you can become like me. Do you understand this? Jesus is looking at Matthew saying, Matthew, I think you can become just like Jesus. I got messed up last week at the end of the service. I remember looking around the room and just calling out people's names and saying, Jesus looked at you one day and said, I think you can become like me. And I just got overwhelmed with that kind of thought that one day Jesus looked at me and said, Rick, follow me. And what he was really saying was, I think you could become like me. 
The fact that Matthew followed has caused a lot of us to ask a lot of questions. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his Cost of Discipleship said, it's for some of us to ask the stupid question. Surely he must have known Jesus prior, didn't he? Bonhoeffer says, no. It was Jesus who invited him, and because it was Jesus, Matthew followed at once. No preliminaries were needed. Do you remember when Jesus called you and you could not resist his invitation and you followed him? I remember hearing a guy named Mike Bro. He's a preacher. He was in Kentucky at the time at a large, large church outside of Lexington. And he says, when our daughter Jody graduated from high school, she said, I, I don't think I should go right to college. I think I should go to the mission field. I think I should go to Haiti for a year. He said, our church had been going there, working in this medical mission. And so I'm trying to encourage her, but Jody, you understand that this is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. I know, Dad, this place has AIDS infected. I, I, I know, you, you understand that voodoo is practiced I understand, I think I should go. And so he said it was hard for her mother and I to put her on that plane and to see her off to Haiti for a year. And so he said we communicated a lot by email. She was very busy, but sometimes she would sit down and let us know what was going on. I remember coming home one night, he said, and reading one of her emails, Dad, I had to write something incredible happened tonight. They came to the, to the clinic looking for a nurse. No nurse was there. Everybody was out. Everybody was helping. Everybody was busy. But a lady was giving birth, and so they asked me if I would come. I'm not a nurse, but I went. I'm carrying a flashlight into this little village, and they direct me to this little hut, and I open the door, and I go in, and there is a naked lady laying on the floor, the dirt floor of a hut. She is screaming, trying to give birth. And all of a sudden, not only am I in the room with the lady trying to aid her in giving birth, but a witch doctor comes in and she begins to march around that woman and me. And that woman is screaming and that lady is chanting some kind of voodoo stuff. And she's dressed in her witch doctor garb and she takes some salve and she puts it on the lady's belly. And then she plants herself at the head of the lady and she puts some other ointment on the lady's head. And then she just begins to stare a hole through me. It was weird, it was freaky, I was afraid. I didn't know what to do and I'm trying to help this lady but this witch doctor is just staring at me. It's like I'm looking in the face of evil. And because I was just completely lost, I just started to sing, our God is an awesome God. What's the next line? <laughs> what? Who reigns in heaven above? with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. And she said, Dad, I don't know what happened except God got involved because that witch doctor went running out of that little hut like she was scared to death. And that little baby come into this, came into this world not under the power or the cover of darkness, but under the cover of light. That's good stuff. Mike Bro says, I'm, I'm sitting there reading this late at night, and my first thought is, what do you mean you're in a hut with a naked lady and a witch doctor? Get yourself on a plane and come home. 
But he said, the pastor and the Christian brother in me thought, way to go, Jody, way to go, way to confront darkness. You know. Let me tell you what Jesus was like. You want to be like Jesus? He didn't run from darkness. He ran into it. He didn't run away from sinners. He ran toward them. He was okay to confront it. He hung out with irreligious people that did a lot of really bad stuff. So much so that they called him that, the friend of sinners. And he calls us to become like him. Not only in our relationship with the Father and our relationships with one another, but the way that he dealt with people who were sinful. I think he says, you can become like me. You know, there are times when I just feel Jesus calling me, when I just feel Jesus urging me, drawing me. When Matthew writes the story, he says, many tax collectors and sinners ate with Jesus that night. Jesus calls the disciples and what does he say? You follow me, you know what I'm gonna make you? I'm gonna make you like me. I'm gonna make you fishers of men. That's gonna be your concern. That's gonna be your heartbeat. And sometimes I feel the Holy Spirit just saying, Rick, be like Jesus. I just feel the Spirit drawing me. Do you ever have those moments in your life when you just feel like Jesus is just drawing? I've heard some of you tell stories I was driving down the road one day and I drove by this bar. I remember passing the bar several times. The, the name was unique to me. I thought it was kind of interesting. It was called the OK Corral. And I remember just always thinking, I wonder who came up with the name like that for a bar, the OK Corral. It probably wasn't 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm going back to my office. I'd had an appointment. And I remember driving by that bar and there was this lady out there kind of sweeping off the front steps in the front of the bar. And I remember feeling this sense. I felt like the Holy Spirit was challenging me. Why don't you ever talk to people like that? And I remember explaining to the Lord in my time of prayer of why that would be awkward for me to go back and try to talk to a lady that I didn't know and she didn't know me and that would just be weird and what would I say? And, and I remember just kind of fighting that and it became very heavy on me and finally, you know those moments in your life when you just say, then I'll just be awkward. And I turned my car around and I drove back to that little bar and I parked in the parking lot. It sat almost right up on the street. It wasn't very far off the road. And I got out of my car and I walked up to this lady and, and she says, oh, we're not open. I said, no, no, I don't, I don't need anything. I, I, I wanted to introduce myself to you. My name is Rick. I pastor a, a church not far from here and I told her where the church was. And I said, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say hi this morning and just, just felt like I really ought to stop and introduce myself to you. And I don't know, maybe there's something I can pray for you about. And I was surprised when she stopped sweeping and looked up and said, you could pray for my sister. I said, okay, what's your sister's name? She told me, and she told me her sister had cancer. 
I said, well, I'll, I'll pray for your sister. I felt like I was overspending my welcome and so I, I didn't stay long. I, I got back in my car, I kid you not, I'm reaching for the door handle and I hear a horn, honk honk, and I look up and this new couple that just started attending our church, Randy and Rhonda Harden, as they drive by, they're waving, you know. <laughs> but they look a little confused. I think they thought it was kind of early, 10 in the morning for the pastor to be coming out of the okay corral, you know. But that's what, that's what Jesus would have done. And I think there's times in our lives and you feel it when the Holy Spirit is, is, is drawing you to be like Jesus. Why don't you hang out with some people like this? Why don't you work toward friendships with people like this? How many close friends like that do you have in your life? Scribes and the Pharisees, they, uh, they don't get it. What, why does he do this? Why does he hang out with sinners? A sinner was a person who did not keep the many requirements of the scribal law. They would not have sat with one. They would have never eaten with one. And Jesus gives us this Awesome line, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, I came to call sinners. I, I, wonder, I wonder sometimes what it would be like if the physical Jesus came to Bethany First Church on a Sunday morning and he decided to spend the week we would be like, Jesus, you're going to love it. You're going to love our church. It's awesome. It's not only that we're like this, but like before we got in here, a bunch of us went to Sunday school, okay? And we were in classes and we'd grow together and we've got the word going on and we're eating, you know, cinnamon rolls and we're drinking coffee. It's, it's awesome. It's, in fact, when we leave here today, a lot of us are going to eat together. You should go with us. We spend a lot of time together tonight. There'll be teenagers in small groups all over the city. There'll be other people in small groups. There'll be people here in a service and afterwards, a bunch of those guys go eat together. We always eat together. We love to eat together. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love being a part of our church. Like last Tuesday night, we had this deal where we brought in these groups and we partnered with Southern Nazarene University and Bob, you would have loved it. It was awesome. Wednesday night, we had this prayer service. It was most Wednesday nights, though, it's like people going to different groups and the dig and Bible studies, college stuff, teams. It's, it's all, you're, gonna, you're just gonna love the whole week with us. And then we get to the weekend, Sunday school classes are having parties and we're all together. I, th I think Jesus would say, that's good stuff. Don't stop doing that stuff, whatever you do, that's good stuff. But you know what else I think Jesus would say? When do you guys get with the sinners? I want to go to that. When do you hang out with the non-church folks? That's what I want to go to. I want to go to that deal with you. When do we do that stuff? When do we get with the Matthews? 
When do we hang out with people like that? Go learn what this means, he says. He's quoting Hosea chapter six, verse six. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What's in your heart? Do you have anything in your heart for lost people? Do you pray for them? Do you worry about them? Do you build bridges of friendship toward them? Do you invest in them? Do you have anything in your heart for people who are lost? I think when you went to the walls earlier today, in, in my mind, that was a prayer. I wanna become like Jesus. Please, please work in my life. I've tried to say to you all the way through this series that, that I don't think I have much hope of changing myself. I am dependent on the Holy Spirit at work in me. There was a guy named Lee Woolery who was here last week because of homecoming at SNU. And he came to church and then he jumped on a plane and he flew back home and he wrote me an email and he said, I'm interested in your series. I remember it was Dr. William Greathouse. He said, a great you know, guy and a theologian in the Church of the Nazarene who passed away a few years ago. He always said, holiness is nothing more nor less than Christ's likeness. And I've been quoting you an old religion prof of mine who said, the work of the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer is to reproduce the character of Christ. If I am gonna become like Jesus, it's gonna be because of the Spirit of God at work in my life. I cannot become like him in my own strength. And every day I have to trust that he is helping me and working in my life to conform me into the image of Jesus. Anybody say I'm concerned about lost people like Jesus was? Is there anybody says I wanna be concerned about lost people like Jesus was? Jesus helped me to be concerned. And so we'll pray before we go and some of you may not have made it to the wall and that may be your prayer, you know, just make me like Jesus. And there's some of you who may really wanna pray for somebody that you know who doesn't know Jesus. I mean, it may be that you're saying, I'm going to the altar today, Rick, but I'm going to pray for somebody that I love who doesn't know Jesus. And some of you may just want to come and pray, Holy Spirit, make me like Jesus. If you want to be prayed for healing, there'll be pastors here, just get their attention, they will anoint you. If you want to become a Christian today, come and ask Jesus to come into your heart and say to him, I'm hearing you call me and I wanna follow you and I wanna become like you. Let's stand together, okay? And we're gonna sing a very appropriate song. The prayer we've been praying at the end of the service all through the series. And so let's pray together. Oh, to be the 
I read this week, the number one reason people who don't go to church visit a church. You know what it is? Number one reason people who don't go to church visit a church is this. Somebody invites them. You know, and I think about the atmosphere in this room right now and, um, you know, the blessing of bringing somebody with you to a place like this. You think about Mel Garing on the video who invited Jose. Why don't you go to my church with me, Jose? And, and you look at what has happened in Jose's life, but think about the life that Mel was living in front of Jose. You know, what if, what if you showed up next Sunday morning with somebody by your side? Or the next Sunday, or the next Sunday, or the next Sunday. The number one reason people 
go to church who don't go to church is because somebody invites them. Do you understand that your witness has power? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses. Do not sell yourself short of what God can do through you. Be like Jesus. The way you treat people who aren't Christian. Feel free to go as you need to go. Kyle will worship for a while and we'll pray for a while. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.